You're listening to the Full Contact Poker Podcast with Daniel Negreanu. And now your host, Daniel Negreanu. Well, hello, everybody. Full Contact Poker Podcast. I thought it'd be fun to bring, um, you guys remember popcorn from the summer? Oh, that's me. <laughs> the, the guy, JT. Yeah, your popcorn. That's me, right? Because you always yeah. steal my popcorn. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it'd be fun to have him here with me when we go over some poker issues and stuff because, um, you know, just me talking all the time is less exciting and he's always got freaking opinions, Mr. Opinion over here. Um, and before we got we get into all the stuff I want to talk about, we got a long list including the Mike Leah stuff and a whole bunch of other things and the USPO and the awards show and other things that are relevant in poker. Um Start with what you've been up to, and you've been playing Bellagio. What games have been going? What's been going down? Um, there's been a wide range of games, I guess, but mostly it's there's like either a really big game, like 15-3 mix or like 2-4,000 big bet mix. I think they even got up to like 3-6,000 and 6, big bet mix, which is like a mix of the limit games, like stud high, stud, stud eight or better, stuff like that. And then they also play the same games, pot limit or no limit, like no limit stud eight or pot limit. Stud they're playing eight. at a Bellagio area, the big at, bet. Base. At the Bellagio, so they play they're like, playing the big bet there yeah. too. With the cap, they play, I think they play like when they play three and six thousand. I think they play a two hundred thousand dollar cap. And I don't know what the blinds are, but it's a huge game. I mean, yeah, you get any, how come? Swings. How come you can't get any private games? Like you suck. Huh? I mean, how come you can't get any of those private games? Like, what, what private games? They have private games at Aria all the time, like with a oh, bunch really? of random people. I see it all the time. It's like that's the thing that's changed about poker. Like in the old days, and what I love, what I appreciate about it, the mixed games is that it's one of the last areas in Vegas where there is no private. Like you have money, you sit down. But like at Aria, the top three games is like unless you know somebody in the game, right. you can't get in. You should yeah. be able to play though because you're fucking I'm clueless. Bad. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> I don't know. Saying. I got to make some phone calls. Or Especially no games. limit. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you're pretty good at some stud games and stuff. Yeah. I know yeah. what to do in the stud sometimes. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm just, like, <laughs> down, playing them down so I can get them in the fantasy draft. <laughs> Which I always end up getting for, yeah. like, a few But you've, your price has been going up lately. I, of that I, third I think place, this might be the year we passed. That third place in the 50K. So what have you been playing? Pass. But anyway, so so I was going to say there's that huge game. And then on the other end, there's, like, an 8160 is the consistent small game. Badoogie, Badesi, Bichesi. No, no, they don't play, like, the... All Stupid of the games. horrible games. They don't play like super stud Raz Daisy. Yeah. There is like some Badusi and Badesi, but it's a reasonable mix of games. And then once in a while we get like a two and four mix, which is like kind of. So there's of, multiple going games going like every night or is it just weekends? No, no, no. What? There's always, almost always an 81-60. And then there are like streaks of time where there's the big so game. So what game is like Elliot Lesber playing now? Like the, like eighty one sixty or two and four hundred. And what about Chow Jang? I love poker. Remember uh, Chow? Oh yeah. baby, I he's love. He's around the Bellagio. I don't I don't know exactly. He, he's a grinder. He, yeah, he's grinding. Yeah, he's, grinding hard. Yeah, he's grinding hard. But yeah, so there have been. It's been pretty somewhat eventful. I'd say the last like month of the Bellagio. It so kind of goes in lulls and you know yeah. goes up and down in terms of action. But the game in Bobby's room is going. No, it's going. It goes for like a couple weeks and stops. It yeah. goes for a couple weeks and stops. They've been playing Chinese. I'm on the text line. I get the text. Yeah, I don't know. Doyle they, just seems to want to play rash. Chinese or Doyle says. They, for yeah, those they, that don't know what Doyle says, want to explain what Doyle says? Do you know what Doyle says I, is? No, pass out? I don't know. No, Doyle says out. is like a mix of games that just Doyle says. Yeah, so it's like five card draw high. <laughs> well, yeah, like deuce to seven, yeah. Badoogie, Raz, Daisy, Raz, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah whatever. Whatever, whatever he mm-hmm. wants to play. So, sounds like rocking and rolling. Mm-hmm. Oh. Doyle says is now Gordo. Playing Doyle at Bobby's room or something. He's, yeah. he's tweeting a, at Gordo like they have an awesome Twitter rivalry. I don't. I don't know if it's a rivalry. It's just Doyle tweeting at Gordo. Yeah, Gordo. I mean, he must Gordo think Gordo's, comebacks once in a while. He must but, think Gordo's like the worst. 
Or, I don't know, or he just, like, truly enjoys fucking with him, like, <laughs> immensely. Like, I think it's, like, the highlight of his day on some days. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I mean, you know, Doyle's actually, when you think about it, a guy's, like, 85, and he's probably the most prolific 85-year-old Twitterer in the world. Oh. Like, I can't 100%. imagine. And he's witty and funny. and He should go down on the Guinness Book of World Records. I mean, for- like, how many people from his... He's definitely the best tweeter from his generation. I think someone said that. Because yeah, he's, he's one like, of one. the only one from his generation. <laughs> but if there were others, he would still be the best. No, so, yeah, he's up there for sure. For sure. He's hilarious. So, you've been playing Bellagio, you've been winning, losing what? Um, I've been doing pretty good the last couple of months. I'm on a good. little upswing. Mostly yeah. the last couple of days I've played in some bigger games that have been mostly heads up. Heads up? I won't say with who. You've been playing heads up? Just some a, superstar? Just a couple times. Oh, we got to get the scoop. Went, who are you playing heads up? Pretty well. Oh, cool. I don't know, I don't, is it I don't the same person like, all the time? I don't want to lose the action. So I <laughs> okay, what does he spot you? Does he spot you a sixth card or something? Yeah, he's, he's no, been known to spot me so something. You remember Doc Jennings back in the day? Yeah, yeah, I know. Who he, he used is. to play he's people. Still, no, he's still around. Is he? Yeah. He would play people heads up triple draw and spot Ace to them. Five, triple yeah, draw, yeah, and spot him a sixth card to start. Yeah. Like, pretty strong. And if they beat him, he, he, yeah. he has this, you know, the bracelet thing? He, like, brings, he has, like, 10 bracelets he brings and dumps them on the table. And if you beat him in, like, a certain freeze out, you get. A certain uh, yeah. bracelet. And Sammy Farha, like I guess people don't get position and extra cards is kind of a big thing. Sammy Farha gave Brandon Adams years ago, like in PLO, the button. Just like every hand. In PLO. It seems a little backwards. Should it be the other way around? <laughs> what? Like Brandon Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> like I guess, you know, back then Sammy was the PLO wizard because he didn't fold on the flop where everyone else folded way too much. Um, that makes sense. So anyway, a lot of things I want to talk about. One of the things was obviously from the U.S. Poker Open – um, I had some really good results yeah. and uh, I posted a tweet of one hand and I was like really interested in the results and sort of the back and forth from a lot of different people about the breakdown of the hand. So I want to break down a hand. I know podcasts are not easily necessarily the best way to like discuss poker hands, but we're just going to cover one because I thought it encompasses a lot. And so the hand is with, it's what, it's five handed. Okay. 500, 1000 blinds with a 1500 total ante. You know, we do like yeah, the big yeah. blind ante. Mm-hmm. So it's five handed, right? Right. So Ben Tolerine in the cutoff. Makes it cut off. Well, you guys should know this by now. He raises to 2,500. Dan Smith on the button calls 2,500. So I'm in a small blind. I've got the ace of spades, king of diamonds, and I decide to make it 15,5. Right? We're pretty deep at this point. You know, everyone's got like, you know, 100 big blinds or something. Right. So whatever. Uh, I make it 15,5, right? They both call, mm-hmm. right? Um, I probably would prefer just one of them call, but it's not like the end of the world. Yeah, I'm I mean, still like pretty. I'm in good shape. I mean, they have yeah. pairs or whatever. But so now the flop comes: King of Hearts, Queen of Clubs, Deuce of Hearts, right? So I've got Ace King. So the standard play is to uh, bet. Yeah, I mean, I think so for yeah. the most part, you have, right? You have a good hand. I've got the highest pair on the board, <laughs> yeah. and that's pretty good with a high kicker. Yeah. But for you know a lot of reasons, I decide to check it here. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, part of it is like, I'm not that kind of guy that's like, okay, well I have this hand. I should always bet. You know, you want to have a little bit of layers to your game. You want to have some creativity if you will, and not be like zoned into just having one possible hand. So, um, so it's generally good idea not to like turn your cards. Well, what I was interested to see is so many people that responded (laughs) were like, well, you have to bet this flop. And they're like, and I'm like, why? It's like, cause you have ace king. I'm like, oh, I see. So when I have ace king, I should bet right. always. Just tell so that means when have. I check, I never yeah. have it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I like to mix it up a little bit, and I decided to check, which I think is fine. Now it gets checked around. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't have a heart, as I said, right? So now the turn is the seven of diamonds. It's like a brick. I bet pretty small, like you know, little feeler bet, twelve k, pretty small bet. And Ben Tolerine makes it forty five thousand. Now when he does that, what do you think like he has there? Like what kind of what range does he have that he would raise me there? The 45k. I guess. Now, I have like 
with the 45, if I call that, I have 110 back. So after I bet 12, I have 155 less. So he's making it 45, you know, opening up the possibility that I could jam on him for 110 more. So what hands can he do that way? Um, I mean, I guess there's a lot of hands in theory. I don't know, though. So, like, my thinking was, okay, so obviously if he's got me nutted, he's got, like, you know, king-queen, he's got a set of sevens, he's got, like, uh, king-queen or whatever, then, you know. He could have even three queens, it's possible. But do you give him a hand, like, some kind of a draw? It's possible. I wouldn't say, I mean, he's he's not exactly the type of player I would want to, like, confine to, like, only being able to have certain things in certain... Right, but I would just, I was, my thinking was, like, okay, so... Part part of me is like, well, why would probably call though? Like, why raise with a draw there? It doesn't make sense. I mean, maybe if you're raising with a draw, like in case you miss, you're you're planning on just bombing the river, right? Or maybe he thinks you never check good hands on the flop, just like the Twitter people. Exactly. So he thinks my range is so narrow that I'm either like maybe ace queen at best, and I'm never going to re-raise him, or like you know I'm nutted, but then he's going to you know shut himself off. He thinks you're nutted, then he. So anyway, it comes back to me, and I am not folding here. Like I was surprised that 32% of people on the poll said fold. Uh-huh. Like, if you fold here, that's like, come on, man. So they like, you should bet, but then also after you check. So the thing I should fold. bet 12, if I, well, they obviously had, they thought I butchered the hand all around, yeah. and I'm very comfortable with the way that I played the hand. But once I bet the 12K, I'm never folding to 45K on this course, board, right? Not Especially with, with ace-king, yeah. right? Um, the question is, and here's where I think a small mistake tournament-wise, is whether or not I just want to call, right? And um, give him an opportunity to bluff it off yeah, on the river kind of the or just of... like shut the door in case he does yeah. have some sort of a draw yeah. right so in like in a cash game i'm more comfortable with like letting cards come off but in a tournament it might have been better to just like jam i decided to call anyway and the river card comes another seven so that card like okay that connects with what pocket sevens pocket he seven. doesn't have king seven queen seven he's not playing any of those pre-flops or six seven of hearts or six seven seven eight of hearts like that's it or he had me yeah. dead anyway right yeah. but i don't think if he has like king queen, he's it's gonna love that. It's a good river for you overall. If he does, yeah. If he doesn't, if he has king queen, I don't know that he bombs that river that much. Because he's got to be a little bit worried that I have aces. I mean, she still probably bombs it anyway. So I check, and he bets my last one ten. And the question to the Twitter audience was, call or fold? And thirty-two percent of people um, voted for fold. And I just don't think the like, river. Yeah, I just don't think against high, like you know world class players like Ben Tallarine. Like, if I did that long-term, he's going to chew me up and spit me out. You know what I mean? If I'm folding that good of a hand in this situation, what the hell am I going to... Then he can do it with anything. Because, like, what am I going to call it? Just three kings and just three queens? Like, I have to call there. Yeah. So, like... And plus, it was a rebuy. Not that that had anything to do with it. Because Salzburg, you know, salty or whatever. He's like, did it, you know, affect your decision because it was, like, a re-entry? I'm like, not really. I mean... Maybe a tiny. Maybe a little, <laughs> but like seriously, what? Yeah. Even You're if it was there to dump off. Your yeah, tips. it seems kind of stupid. So overall, um, the thing that you know was interesting to me most, most, most like pressing was the flop play where everyone was like so convinced that I had to bet like 100 yeah. percent of the time with Ace King, and I just find that is not the way that I like to play poker. You know, I've been learning, I've been doing some new things, and I I've always been a guy who likes to mix it up, especially when you're playing with like the high roller fields of people that you're you play playing the same with guys all the time. Yeah, right. You're playing with them at every single tournament yeah. that you play. You're always going to be with. I was least still surprised. Like so, with. anyway, the hand showed up. Ben showed up with six seven of hearts. Yeah, I was a little surprised to see that hand, but he mentioned out loud. He said that he thought I had Ace Queen. Like he said, I thought you had ace-queen, which I guess his plan was to raise turn and bomb river anyway. So in a sense, I really like the way I played the hand because if he misses the river, I think I'm going to get that extra 110 and whatnot. So anyway, the USPO was the US Poker Open. For those of you that watched it, it was on Poker Go. 
daily, basically. It was pretty good coverage. Like, I think yeah. they've done a really good job with yeah, the coverage. Yeah, well, they're doing a phenomenal job, yeah. for sure. Um, so it was kind of like a runaway Stephen Chidwick show, and I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this in 20 years of poker. One of the nicest guys in the game. For the last year and a half, you asked me, like, who's the unluckiest player in the high rollers? Definitely Stevie Chidwick. Oh, really? Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, not, anymore. not anymore. He, it was Un, you know, like uncanny. Every time he was all in, in any situation, with like two outs with the river, it was just pure. You know, and he absolutely crushed it. I did really well. I came in third throughout the whole USPO. Out of eight events, I had uh, two thirds, a sixth, two sevenths. Did you win any side bets? I did. I won I won the fantasy draft, too, because we did a 50K oh, yeah, fantasy draft. That. Here's what picked the people didn't see. I always take Jake, Jake Schindler because I think he's really good. And I'm like, what the hell? So let's take Jakey. There was no, the only German that showed up was Rainer Kemping. The rest stayed home. And then with my last pick, people were like, who's Keith Tilson? And I had the opportunity to play with him all week. And I thought he played really good deep stack and the structure was going to be a little better. So I was like, okay, I'll take a flyer. And he was on roll. He was playing well. I mean, yeah, yeah. So it ends up being three-handed yeah. with Jake and Keith. So yeah. like, I won the draft anyway. Yeah. I also won a few side bets from Bryn Kenny because we had a... Um, like most caches, and he didn't cash at all. Like Bryn was, so that's the thing about Bryn Kenny, right? He's a great player, and you know, when he's zoning, he's feeling good. Um, but he's very different than a lot of the other players. He plays like, I guess you call, he's like a field player kind of guy. And you know, when he's not feeling it right, or he's cards are not rolling. He's doing the same thing every time. And every oh, no, no, he sure. was, he's, he's, he's tough to play against mm-hmm. for sure. So I beat him in that bet. And one of the things that stuck out about the USPO that I want to get your feedback on is we had massive turnout for the mix game yeah I was, why, why didn't you show up and play that one i was i was actually in like a pretty fun and interesting cash game mm. we were playing like a big bet mix that uh i don't always play in and i just felt like yeah i didn't really feel like um having to wake up the next day at a certain oh, time that's tough yeah especially before two o'clock no i not necessarily i mean i'm I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it. It wasn't <laughs> no, that big it. of a deal to me. But anyway, it's not like it, what, it, what it really got me excited to see was I saw Ming there. You know, Ming yeah, Lee? Yeah, yeah. saw Ming there. saw, like, yeah. Ralph Perry. Yeah. It's like guys I played poker with 20 years ago that, yeah. like, loved it. And, they, like, so much of the discussion around the tables were, like, we should do more of these. Yeah. Right? Well, so but, I, well they, they, they almost got it going last year. What's that? We had, like, a couple of the 25K. Yeah, yeah. Me and Rasty. Yeah. were getting going. What I'm on. thinking about doing, and I'm sort of talking to Poker Go and seeing what I can create, because... That's what I do for fun, like outside of like being a poker player and playing. I like to create events that I think would be good for poker, especially good for spreading mix games. I come up with like a series of like nine events with buy-ins maybe ranging from maybe one 5K. The but something, poker open? Like, well, well, I don't know. We don't have to call it that. <laughs> my last name doesn't roll off the tongue, you know. So maybe something between like a 10K and then like the 50K main event, which is like an eight game. Yeah. But I'm talking about having different types of mixes, like a no limit hold'em and a PLO. Having like a three a stud mix, a horse mix. Like big bet every tournament. Mix. Yeah, big bet mix. Games, a dealer's yeah. choice mix. Like for one people, series. And I'm thinking about. that. I think so. Like based on the uh, turnout. We got for that event. I feel like a mixed game sort of series could do fine at those stakes as long as they're like fast-paced tournaments. They're like one-day events, which brings me to like as a segue, perfect and you, segue. And you could do some satellites. Yeah, no, exactly. That's what who said it. Oh my god, I think it was Alan Kessler who recommended Oops. that. Never mind. Um, so, <laughs> which is a good segue into the 50k. So there's a couple of mistakes I think with the 50k. Like uh-huh. every tournament during the 25k's, we were getting 50 players approximately, mm-hmm. 65 for like the 10k's. And for the 50K, the the number ended up being 33, which Mm -hmm. was way under what we expected. And I think there was two mistakes. One, they started at noon rather than two, which shouldn't be a big deal because the structure was really, really good, except for the fact that the people that showed up at noon, there was only seven people. Mm. And those seven people 
were all like killers. Right. So, like, I saw some of the guys that had played all week. I saw new faces all week that just didn't sh- – they showed up. They didn't play. Because, like, it, you, typically those tournaments, what's great about them is the way Carry Cat sets it up is you show up on time, you pay no rake. Right? So, like, everyone shows up right away. Right. Like, it doesn't start it's, with, like, five smart. superstars and then nobody joins. You know? It's like everyone kind of shows up at the same time. So, one of the reasons I think – well, that's one of the reasons I think the tournament might have been down. But the other one, which I want to get your feedback on, is, like – and I don't know this for, for a fact, but I think a lot of the business guys mm-hmm. were turned off by it being a three-day event. Oh, yeah? I don't know. That's not really my world, like the high roller type things. I, I don't, I'm not really well-versed in like the, what the business been like, what they don't like and stuff. But I mean, well, it it does, seemed of like course, it does make sense. That was one of the big differences because these guys play. Like, so the thing is, the 25Ks, there's re-entry, so it, yeah. they often end up being a 50K anyway right. because the structures are pretty quick. So it's kind of like a 50K. So to see like none of them play the 50K, the only key difference really was the fact that it was scheduled as a three-day event. It does seem like most of the high rollers like in Europe and stuff are one-day, two-day events. Well, that I think like if that, I think the lesson there too is when you look at some of the WPTs and you look at some of these longer terms, so like five to seven-day events, right? How many guys who are like businessmen are going to go like take a full eight days out of their schedule to play one yeah. 10K or something yeah, like that? True. That's part of why these high rollers were created in the first place. Because right. a lot of these like business people or whatever, they didn't want to play a seven-day tournament, but they still have a lot of money and they want to play a small tournament. And it also might have just been like some randomness just being like the date on being at a certain time. And, you know, people mm. had already been there all week playing. But that was the thing. It was know. like it was on a Friday and oh, went through strange. the weekend. So yeah, you would yeah. think that would be like the best timing for it. So anyway, a lot of lessons there, but I think maybe, and I don't think it needed to be a three-day event. Like, you can manipulate the structure so that, you know, the early play is a little faster and you still get enough play, right. you know, at the final table. It seems like a pretty that. big success overall, though. The oh, no, for sure. Yeah, Chidwick won the trophy. Here's the thing people don't know in poker, like, or people don't think. People who shit on all these kind of stuff because, like, they're not in this world <clears throat> um, is, like, people, everyone was, like, actually wanted to win that trophy. Yeah. Like, Chidwick cared. You know, like, he was like, I got to get in the next one. Like, everyone there, they, they care about these types of things, right? They cared about the um, Poker Masters, even though it was just a purple jacket that nobody's ever going to wear, right? These types of things is how we start to create the possibility that we create a major tour, yeah. right? It starts from somewhere. There's no added money or anything like that, but the bragging rights are there. You wouldn't believe, and I'm not going to mention names, how many of the guys in the GPI, like top 30, are playing for peanuts, yeah. Like very small percentage because of the love of the game and the pride. They have the opportunity to make some people money. So like, listen, I'll play for 5%. And they're going to play in these high rollers. And then you go see them playing, you know, 2-5, no limit hold'em. I have no problem with that, really. I mean, these are, these are guys that, you know, have the faith of some backers. And what it shows me is like the, I think the um, perception people have is like nobody cares about this stuff. It's just not true. No, that's not true. Adrian's talking about the GPI. Justin's talking about how where he is and all this kind of stuff. I'm there. I see it. You know, and these people care. And I think the fact that they care um, excites poker fans more. It's not yeah. like people just like not caring and just like being sure. whatever or whatever. I'm just here for the money. I'm like, oh, you're so cool. You only care about the money. Good for you. I like trophies. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, no, it's not all that different than, the, like you said, the major professional sports like the NBA, NHL. Those guys, I mean, granted, there's they do get financially compensated when they, you know, win the Stanley Cup or win the championship. But not much compared to their, no. like, they're already Yeah, exactly. Like, they're already making... So much money. It's not like winning the cup or like for Federer and Nadal when they're heads up, which I'm going to get to an example of them in a minute. Um, when they're heads up, it's not like they're like, well, I've already, you know, like they, they, they don't, it's not like the extra money that no, they really not. care about. It's they want to win Wimbledon. They right. want to win the U.S. Open and or whatever not, the case and, may you be. Know, the money along with it is nice. But the same in poker. If you win the U.S. Poker Open trophy, you're going to make a lot of money. 
Yeah, no, exactly. So but it's like, not like there needs to be. But a anyway, the, the point is like I know the community, especially you know those that play for those things, and and whether it's the World Series Player of the Year and all this stuff that some people that don't take partake in it, or whatever, just completely shit on all these things that make poker a little more interesting, yeah. a little more exciting for those that play and for the fans. At and home. it gives a chance for to growth also. Exactly. You know, tradition. Sure. Breeds growth and yeah. You know. I don't know that I love the way, and I disagree with Carrie on this, but that's fine. We we discuss it. Like he does, just like cash only. So like he doesn't have a point system. Which, right. for the poker masters, Stefan Sondheimer had like four-thirds. Four, yeah. Third, third, fourth, fourth. If he didn't cash in the main, he wouldn't have won to a guy who just won the main. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of silly. That is like, silly. Chidwick ended up locking it up before the main, but that's because he just destroyed it. Yeah. You know, like two wins, two thirds. Like, you can't. Yeah. You like, can't if they did the World Series, the main event winner would be player of the year every single, every single year. Right. It's like, what's yeah. the point? If you just did most money, you're like, okay, well, it's kind of stupid. Yeah. Like, oh, what, is guy's going to win 30 bracelets to come second? Yeah, yeah. You know? Mm. <laughs> but on that sort of topic of, you know, poker awards, player of the year stuff, trophies, and whether or not that matters, sort of the meaty subject I wanted to get to a little bit was, um, oh, before I do, there's one other thing that came up while we were playing. So we did a draft, as you could see, yeah, right? Yeah, I saw that. We did a draft where we picked players. Mm-hmm. And like one of the players, who's a pro, um, wasn't picked yet. So I thought maybe he was a little annoyed about that. Like he was very upset that we were doing that at the table. Because he felt like there was a couple amateurs at the table that were watching this and they're thinking like he felt like we alienated them right. and that they weren't going to come play anymore. And I was like, I don't know that it's necessarily true, but I can see his it's point. It's not an unreasonable point. Like to be honest with you, like I got a lot of value from doing those drafts. So we do them in Super Hero because I like to see where I go. Right. Like or if I don't get picked at all or who picks you because then you have a little bit more insight into the, how, you know – you know, whatever, like who who thinks you suck? It's like if if thirty, if there's a field of thirty five, and they pick thirty two players, and you're not one of them, you might be like, oh wow, these guys really think I yeah. suck. So I, I I like that, but I can see what he what he was talking about, and I think probably it's best to do those things, maybe not publicly. Although, but that's the thing is, I think a lot of people are interested because like yeah. I posted on Twitter, and everyone's like, oh, you know, they want to see who got drafted, but it can either hurt feelings or. Wake people up too, right? So if like you, you got a pro who thinks he's one of the you know better players, and you sees all the other guys don't agree, like he it's may true. But at the same time, it can work both ways. First of all, the amateurs aren't necessarily going to get picked because you don't. First of all, you don't know if they're playing. It's not yeah. like they're consistent. You know, people that are. I'm not. Even, I'm not. I don't mean the amateurs as much. I'm talking about the, like the mini mediocre pros. And second of all, the mediocre pros, it, it, you can either, they can look at either way. They can either be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be playing. Unlikely. They have, they're not getting any new information from the draft, or they can use it as motivation to like want to battle even more. So really? it's not necessarily going to work the way that that guy. That's kind of a pessimistic way of looking at it. I, I don't know. Either way, though, like I mean, I'm not, like those guys are smart enough to know that that's they're not felt known like. as the best players. Like already, exactly. Like I, mean? I didn't feel like the amateurs that were at the table were like shocked. You yeah, know, exactly. like that they didn't get chosen. What, you know what I mean? It's like patronizing, isn't it? Like a little bit. Like I mean, these guys. These guys put up fifty, twenty-five thousand dollars playing a tournament. You know, we, we don't assume these people are like lack intelligence like exactly. they're, they're smart people yeah, they're not they like handle themselves they're big, you know shocked by it they know they're up against it when they're sitting down in one of these and big they're also high probably not babies like right you know yeah, I yeah. yeah i don't think it's that relevant yeah yeah me neither but anyway moving on to the main topic or one of the main topics i wanted to cover so the big news in poker of late was mike leah right so you know the story here yeah so the cliff notes on this story mike leah has destroyed that niagara falls tournament like he's won four out of the last five years he was, you know, super, everyone's congratulating him, excited. Da, da. And then we looked, someone looked at that, like the hand history and it was like an obvious chip dump. Yeah, yeah. Where the, he like, made like, it 7 million. He went all in for 7.1 million. He went like 1.7 million. million. He's like, 
raise your 40k more. And he's yeah. like, nope, you got to fold when you're beat. And they yeah. were joking about it, very open they about the fact. They weren't trying to hide anything. No, obviously. there was no like shady sort of hiding it. Yeah. And so before I go too further on this, I want to first of all say that like I don't think Mike Leah broke any rules. I don't think he did anything unethical. I do think it kind of sucks though, right? It does suck. A so bit. I would ask Mike, for example, let's say it was like the last event of the year and he was leading the player of the year for the WPT, right? And you were at the final table and you like needed to win to pass him right. and you just made a deal for everybody that you got to win. Right. Like I'm sure how do you feel about that, right? What you did is essentially no different in that you just are doing it because you think maybe like winning WPT player of the year gives you some sort of sponsorship opportunities or you just want the trophy, you can right. afford it, but you can like have a direct effect on someone else's chance to win. And so that brought up a lot of discussion in the poker community about sort of like whether it was right or wrong. Well, I think that's on the WPT that if they to fix their system if if they're letting that happen. Well, the WPT I mean, did for a while, for about a four-year period, they had a, a no-chop rule. You weren't allowed to make deals because what they didn't want to have happen was guys at a final table, you know, doing that on TV, right. right? Like, and the example I wanted to use is like Federer and Nadal. Like, imagine they're at Wimbledon and they're in the final and they're just like, okay, well, you get you you get like one point two, I get six. I'm like fifty five percent favorite here, yeah. so we'll do like an ICM chop. I'll it's get the trophy. It's a little bit different. And, well, I mean, but, yeah. but you see, I'm using an extreme course, example. But then they just like hit it over the net and he just gets like all aces and wins He's the like, match. Oops. It's like it would re- <laughs> yeah. it would destroy the, it would destroy it. Yeah. If they didn't compete because like one of because they made a deal, right. it kind of like hurts production. So. It really sort of took a life of its own. Like a lot of people have very passionate opinions about this. Most people feel like, you know, listen, Mike didn't do anything wrong and I don't disagree. But the question is, should the organizers themselves have the right to impose rules that don't allow for something like this to happen? And can they impose a rule that they can't really enforce? And what are they going to do? Take his first place money and be like, so you can't have it. So I know for, well, I mean, I know from personal experience when we did this free roll with uh, ESPN in 2004, we had to sign a piece of paper that said no deals. And because it was a free roll, it was like a two million dollar yeah. free roll. We had no deals, and if you got caught making a deal, you'd have to pay five million dollars. Right. So it's bad for TV. They're spending. Yeah. A lot so of it ended up being three handed with Andy Duke, Phil Hellmuth, and and, and uh, Howard Letterer, and uh, apparently they weren't afraid of the five million dollar lawsuit because they absolutely made a deal. <laughs> she went on TV later and lied about it. Shocker. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So. So the question is, and I'll just, I want to go to is some tweets. Is that public, the deal thing? Has that been like- She lied about it. Like yeah. I, everyone knows, everyone know that knows knows that they made right. a deal. Like Phil admitted it and she lied. She said it didn't happen. Phil's like, yeah, we made a small deal. It's like, because you know Phil. He can't like pretend like he didn't get no money. Yeah. You know, Phil's Phil. He's yeah, going to do his thing. So I want to start with just like the first part of the tweet chain. It started with Norman Chad, actually. Yeah. Oddly enough. So he's, he tweeted out, I'm a big Mike Leah fan, but his disputed WPT deal could have been avoided by doing what I proposed from day one, that poker, pre, poker pros oppose, no deals, period, hashtag bad for the game, hashtag casual fans don't understand it, hashtag it's all rigged result. Yeah. So this is where, this is where it takes a turn. So Ike quoted the tweet and said, Ike Haxton said, when we're being paid to play rather than charge rake, you can make whatever rules you want. Until then, the prize pool belongs to the players. You don't get to tell us how we can divide it up. Okay? Pretty strong stance that he has and seems, you know, reasonable. Logical. Olivier Bousquet chimed in and said, Is it your contention that if tournament organizers put together a WTA, WTA event, the players should feel free to divide the prize pool any way they see fit since it belongs to them? And it goes on and on, and, well, you know, uh, they get kind of heated. And I chime in because it's what I do. Yeah, for fun. And because I have a different take. I said, so organizers provide the schedules, the Mm -hmm. structures, the payouts, the dealers, the chips, the venue, the floor staff, the rake pricing. 
So I would imagine that they have every right to set rules they see fit, and if the players don't like them, they can choose not to play. Like, and it like, seems the way the way markets work. Like, what am I missing here? Yeah, I don't right? know. Like, so then, you know, then it got into the ethical questions of like, okay, so if they have that right, if the WPT has the right to say no deals, right? And you do make a deal, you know, Olivia, is that, that cheating? And also, how would they enforce Well, but is that cheating? Is it cheating? Hmm. No. I Let's say you get heads up. It says in the rules, you can't make a deal and you get heads I up with the guy and you make a deal. I actually saw Bonomo make a tweet that I agreed with, that there's a difference between breaking the rules and cheating. Sure. I think it's very clear that that's true. And, and also Christopher Kruk chimed in by saying that, like, heads up, there's no possibility for collusion because they're heads up by definition, right? But that's not entirely true. Not entirely true because, because there's a second tournament going on, which is the player of the year. Not only that. Forget about even take the player of the year thing yeah. aside. Let's say we're three-handed. Let's say you're three, me, me and you are three-handed with some other guy, right? Now, let's say he's a decent player, right? Now, we know he doesn't chop. He won't chop. You and me know that we'll chop. But like give each other a fair ICM chop. So we could be incentivized a little bit to soft play, right. whether or not we are doing it consciously. Right. Yeah, just to be like, you know what, let's not, let's make sure we get him out so that way we can lock up a certain amount of money. Let's say you have a good amount of chips, you know, you might just want to protect that ICM value and not worry about like having to play it out and maybe losing yeah, it all. That can work to that other guy's advantage. It could, time. it so could, but, but it could, but like, here's my only concern with it. And Justin made some very good points about it, but my concern is this guy doesn't know that. Right. So, like, if it's transparent, it's fine. Like, if, you know, everyone knows, he's like, okay, well, you're not going to make a deal. Okay, we want you out. Yeah, we're going like, to fuck you. So, if four amateurs <laughs> are playing with a pro and the pro's like, I don't make deals. And like, okay, guys, let's get this guy out of here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's Which implicit. Happens, I'm sure. sure. In, that's implicit like, collusion, yeah. but it's like out in the open, right? Another, there are other forms of implicit collusion where, for example, you know, there's six, six people left. Me and you are in a hand. The guy's all in. Just check it down to the river. We're obviously doing what we can to leverage to get this guy out. Right. Not much different than, for example, you know, uh, maybe taking a closer decision against a really good player to bust him so that I can get the weaker player. Yeah, there's you a know thin I mean? line between strategy and collusion, obviously. Right, but the, the, yeah, so anyway, I, it just feels a little greasy if I knew that, like, or if I didn't know that if I'm playing three-handed with two right. guys and they're actually, because I think it's very difficult to not allow it to subtly affect your decisions, right? But at the same time, is it even worth discussing because there's no way to prevent it? Well, I mean, that's one of the things. So that's like the whole, you know, gun question and everything else. It's like, so if there's no way to enforce like a rule, should we just not have any well, rules? it's not even that, there's no, there can't even be a rule to prevent what you're saying. Like, it's like the example you gave about the Well, the rule you can the make, chops. the rule you can make is... There's no chops. No chops, yeah. right? So if you catch somebody making a deal... You could put some sort of infringements where you're barred from playing future tournaments or anything yeah. like this. But I guess my biggest bone of contention, I guess, with the position that I took originally is that while the prize pool is don't is, is donated is, is put in by the players, the organizers have every right to decide how it gets. Once up. the prize pool has been placed into the organizers' hands, it is well, then their responsibility. Right. Not only their right, it's their responsibility to uphold whatever rules they set yeah. forth and not let the players. And in addition it. to that, they can if they feel if they felt like the organizer felt like you know what for the integrity of that I'm putting this thing on TV. I don't want any deals in my tournament. Putting that in the rules, you guys got to sign that. Yeah. Make it clear then to people. To and then when it. you do sign that, the question is again like this is where Olivier because he's a very he has a very abstract and interesting way of like really looking at what's more ethically correct and what's not. It's like. If you did make a deal anyway, really no much, not repercussions, and didn't, you know, you broke that rule, is that unethical? Right. And that is the thin, that is the closer debate. Right. Like, I guess, I mean, there is, I mean, I break rules. Like, I don't drive the speed limit. Right, right. Marissa? I don't drive the speed limit. 
It's unbelievable, though. So like, I'm, I'm, are you cheating when you what? when you break the speed? Well, I listen to I do. I look at it this way. So the speed limit is a suggestion, right? Right. And I know the rules. So like, if it's a forty-five, it's actually not a suggestion. It's kind of it's a suggestion. In Italy, there's no suggestion work, whatsoever. Work. It's just drive however fast. Oh, when you're in Italy, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So so let's say it's a forty-five. You know, I'm driving, and I know what the penalty is for driving fifty-five. Okay. It's a fine of some kind or whatever. Like I calculate that into my decisions, and I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with driving 55 and a 45. Right. That, well, that is similar to this spot, actually. Right. Where like I'm actually breaking a rule, but I'm not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it in the same token as like cheating other people. And also, I think it depends on like the situation. Like you said, like there are situations where it doesn't matter at all, and I wouldn't. And I would have no problem breaking the rule. And then there are situations like, for example, say the U.S. Poker Open had a prize for first place or a prize for first, second, and third. Then it can get pretty tricky. Well, this is this actually was a common issue that happened in the Commerce Casino uh, years ago. Like years ago, we would have like a best all around player. I used to play them, the LAPC. Yeah. And um, and it was and I'm just it's just be honest. It was like it was a, a like a large major like a large majority of like Vietnamese players who played. They had different ethical views of like what was okay and what was not. There was like yeah. a lot like open collusion and soft play and this kind of thing. And like bringing chips into the turf. Well, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was one of them. But there were situations where, for example, like in a shootout, right? Like you know, your heads up or you're three handed. They would like let the guy win who, and they'd just who take they a piece of him who has like who's doing really good in the player of the year race, right. which kind of affects the people that were doing and it more normally. So. So then I think it was, I don't know if it was Matt, it was somebody who enforced a rule where, you know, you can't I would chop. say that is cheating. Yeah. And I would say that any time there is, a, there is an award for player of the year or there's any sort of reward for doing well outside, that, that affects other people, there should be a rule in those events because there's something added, if there was, that, you know, chopping is not allowed. Well, then, then shouldn't Mike Lee have not been able to chop? Well, they because didn't have he, a, no. Because they have the twenty five k. I mean, if you really look at it from a technical perspective, Wait. the tournament of champions. He's reducing everyone else's chances to win because he's in it versus the yeah. other guy. Yeah, the other guy nah. might not even play. My, not you play know, the, I, I, that's minute. I don't think that's like as it's big of minute. an issue as it's true. That's not as big as issue of if, if there was say fifty k for the person. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he did anything wrong. Yeah, I think I don't think it's his responsibility to uh, do what. Other people think is correct. I think it's his responsibility to do what suits his financial needs and sure. his goals. Again, I just think, like I said, if there was a cash prize, like fifty thousand, yeah, if there was, and he that. did, and if he does, like a five hand, and he was like, "Let me win, I'll give you guys all ICM yeah. chops and favorable," that's cheating. and then like that's actually affecting other people. And it's I know Mike. Cheating, Mike's a really competitive guy, yeah. right? So if he was in the situation where going into the last event, he was leading, and then two people were heads up, and the guys just did that. I know we wouldn't like that, right? right? Now, having said that, I, I, I'm pretty sure that Mike, like, is, he's been dealing with a lot of the flack and all that kind of stuff, and that's, like, not how you want to win, for sure. Yeah. But I'm I, sure I he'd guess... agree with that, by the way. It's not, you know, I'm sure that he wouldn't put up an argument to that point. But he calculated the, the uh, benefit of not winning the right way versus the financial, you know, rewards and being able to play in that nice 25K and player of the year or whatever, and he thought it was worth it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Speaking of awards, you know you're up for an award this year. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, blogger. No, I don't. I don't you got. Like you're. Blog, you were like a big freaking. You're a big part of the blog. I don't, I don't vlog. I'm just huh? in vlogs. They got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't actually. Vlog. We're nominated along. We're nominated along with uh, uh, Andrew Nemi. 
Yeah. Joey and Oh, Grum. I mean, so if, are you going to chop? Well, you're going to come, and then we're going to, like, you know, you'll be my date. Oh, nice. For the thing. Oh, okay. If we win. I don't think we're going to win Video Blogger. Yeah. I don't. I think, like, we did a lot of vlogs this year, but they were all, like, concentrating the World Series. Yeah. Hey, boys, come here. Oh, I got to show them the jerseys. Come here. Oh, yeah, hey. those are awesome. Follow. Come here. Where's he at? Hang on. We got the that's Rocky, Vegas Knights jersey. Rocky's the more adventurous one. Uh, he's a fighter. See, as you yeah. can see, he's a tough one. And Apollo's the more shy yeah. one. Yeah. Those so are sweet jerseys. Yeah. So the, yeah, we are up for video blogger. Um, who else is up? We gotta check this out for a second. There's a whole bunch of awards. I know that, as I said, uh, Doug, well, yeah, Doug Polk is also up for blogger of the year. Uh -huh. It's a poker blog versus the crypto blog. Right. That, he, that, he, that he used to do. Um, let's see here. Where am I going? What am I looking for? American Poker Awards, right? Okay. Hang on a second here. Let me find it. See who's up for what. Because a lot of these awards, I don't even, like, I, w I wouldn't even know who to vote for. 2018. How many are you up for? Oh, shit. I went on YouTube. Um, what am I up for? For influencer. So that's another thing that came up with the whole influencer thing. Because I was trying to like get, I was trying to have a better understanding of what they mean by influencer. Because I understand influencer to be like, from a social media perspective, like it's a popularity thing, right? right. But then also an influence somebody who's like influences the community and can do things like that. So like, because I looked at the list and it's like Carrie Katz. Um, Is he up for it? Because Carrie, win. yeah, yeah, I think he should yeah. win too. Carrie Katz, uh, Matt Savage, myself, and Doug Polk. So, so that's why I was like, okay, so the list, I get Doug Polk for the popularity thing because he's got a big following, but as far as like the influencer thing, that part I was like, well, he didn't, like, he doesn't look like an influencer the same way Carrie Katz. Carrie's changed poker. Yeah, or Matt immensely. Savage. Without and, poker, without Carrie, there's no poker go. There's no poker after dark. There's no U.S. poker open. I mean, it's not even close. Right. So I was asking questions about it. And of course he did a video. Without Matt Savage, the WPT would still happen. Yeah. Well, Carrie's actually been very, very innovative too. And, and like yeah, creating new things that could, you know, because the theoretically, like, well, before Carrie Katz got involved in poker, there was kind of a little bit of a lull, you yeah. know, in like programming, especially in America or whatever. And like, he's come up with a subscription model. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's supposed to be a cable network. I'm like, well, it's not that easy. Yeah. You know, like the poker is not exactly all that. And not to mention, he's not making money off of all this yet. I mean, it's possible oh, no, in the future no, he would. Not he's really, he's, no. He's fire. you know, he loves poker. What am I looking for? Awards. He, he, should, right. he is very, very clear. Sorry, no offense, but he should definitely win. No, I mean, I get it. So, like, I, from an, inf like, again, that's what I said. Like, if it is influencer in, in, the, in the term of, like, you know, who's got the biggest following, right, then I get, you know. Or the, who's changing. But that, that, but that can't be the only definition. So, I guess it's just kind of a mishmash. Because, like, if you think about influencer on the bigger picture from popularity, then, Kevin Hart and yeah. Usain Bolt would get the award yeah. for all the ads that we did with them, which he has a reach bigger than everyone in poker combined. Right. So anyway, I was just like, I put so that no out. no matter how you slice it, you shouldn't win is what you're saying. Well, I don't know. I think there's a way that I could because like, well, not that I'm going to put my resume out, but let's be real here. So I do work with Poker Go and Poker Central. I help carry with some schedules and some sure. stuff like that. I do the Poker Star stuff. Um, oh, now it's going to sound, I'm going to sound like the... <laughs> I do. I do. I do sit on the board of the St. Jude's charity event. I'm also involved with the Folded Flag charity, which we're going to have an event right before uh, or right after the award show, and also the World Series of Poker, which I don't get paid for. Joey, can you believe that? Joey said that I only uh, do things in poker where I get paid, which I was like, what? He, he was on a rant on Twitter. You're getting paid for this? Uh, so much. Oh my God, this huge. Look. Yeah. They, no, anyway. Oh, I didn't notice that. But uh, cool no. Shirt. So the World Series of Poker, I work with Did them. Someone pay you to wear that? 
<laughs> it is a nice shirt, though, right? It makes my arms look yeah. good. That's why I did it. Uh, so I do stuff with the World Series of Poker. I have a good relationship with Jack. Also, Adam Pliska at the World Poker Tour. Yeah. Um, I love the game. Like, I love the nerdy award shows, the player of the year systems. Like, it's a community that I've always been a part of. Like, rule changes, like the big blind ante, all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I stick my nose in a lot of different things to, you know, throw my two cents in there. And I like to have an influence because... I don't know that there's a lot of people that care more about that sort of thing no, of um, in poker. Well, but I know that being close to you. I mean, it's pretty obvious. I don't know what it looks like to other people, but it's very clear to me that most of what you do is See, this is why I had poker. you on the podcast, man. Obviously. you <laughs> got to be a real idiot not to see that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's very clear. you right. got enough money. I mean, if you wanted to, you could just sit back and do nothing. You just stake you. Yeah. Print. Oh, yeah. Print all Print. the money. We had a bigger house, <laughs> a few more Ferraris in the driveway. No. <laughs> Teslas, man. Yeah. We're, we're, we're conscious over here. Yeah, my- All right, let's look at some of the awards because I don't have a little – see if you have a take on these. So up for Poker Journalist of the Year, Drew Amato, Lance Bradley, BJ Nemeth, Steve Ruddick, and Jessica Wallman. Anyone stick out there? I mean – Like, I mean, they all obviously – I like – I did a thing – Lance like reached out to me to do a little thing with him, so I got to go with him. I think Lance is pretty consistent. Like Lance <laughs> yeah, has put up like be... really consistent work, and like and he wore that shirt for a year. Like, he did he wear get, the he shirt for get a year. An award for that, Steve Roddick does some things too. Obviously, he he wrote a piece about like my whole rake conversation, uh-huh. right? Where he basically you know explained like that it's been completely mischaracterized, mischaracterized. Mm-hmm. I wrote a blog about it, by the way. If you want to check it out, fullcontactpoker.com. It's like my thoughts on rake, where I explain what I said is completely logical practical it's like i'm not pro rake that is absurd like in any mis- any anyone like saying that or like trying to say that because i said one phrase my favorite part of like one of the videos that he recently did was he said this he said actions speak louder than words and then went on to go talk about a bunch of words that i said <laughs> like not a single action that i took right. to like increase rake in any way shape or form well, obviously right? you have no say in the actual well no i do i mean uh, I, I always throw my two cents in but obviously it's not my company and i don't have to say what i was trying to explain which i explained in the in the video which is obvious and also steve rodick i'm glad he's the first one up he wrote a piece explaining that i was like actually what i said was logical and just right right like the, the idea is if you had a random dude right let's say you know your cousin he wants to go play poker and he's got a thousand bucks to play. And he's got two choices, right? Both are bad, but he wants to gamble and have some fun and like maybe win, right? One shot is he can play against nine pros and pay a $1 rake per hand, right? Or he can go play with nine people just as bad as him and pay 250 a hand, a high rake, right? Which both he's gonna lose in because the rake is too high in this one, but which would he have a better chance of lasting longer, possibly having a better time, feeling like he's more on a competitive level. It's clearly the one where the rake would be slightly higher if that meant, you know, there was no regs in the game, right? right? It's like obvious, logical, duh, right? So like, I don't believe that raising rake is the answer to poker. Like a poker, a poker ecosystem, I did, we didn't even go this way, but I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. So uh, the po- a poker e- ecosystem has three parts, right? You have the people who contribute to it, the losing players. Mm-hmm. Then you have professional players and you have rake, right? Two of those three are bad for the ecosystem. Right. Not one. Right. Two of those three, right? right? So the rake the takes money worse. out. The That's bad. Worse for the but the pros take out <laughs> yeah, more money than the rake, right? Yeah. So the guys who are like winning, having said that, that is poker. Poker's always yeah. been a game where it should be a situation where if you play well enough, you should be able to win. But also but, having said that, poker stars are not in business to make the pros money. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. That makes much less sense than anything else anyone said. Poker stars' responsibility 
is not to make, or any poker site, not just poker stars, any poker operator, poker site in general, their responsibility is to themselves to have healthy games and make themselves money. They're not just Well, for me, I would like to, my, my thought process on that is like the number one, like the most important uh, part of that ecosystem that you have to cater to is the contributors. Because if they don't bring money in for pros to win and for Rake to come out, they can't pay their bills. The, pro, the, pro, the pros wouldn't even have a game to play. Because right. without this group of the ecosystem, the three parts, this one doesn't play, there was no Rake happening. So yeah. the game just goes kaput. A game with nine pros and no like contributor doesn't exist. So the, the most valuable, the VIPs in the ecosystem are the ones who, you know, unfortunately for them, lose. Fortunately for pros, and companies who run poker sites, you know. Anyway, so on to next uh, topic. <laughs> hey, what were we just? How do we get into that from the media? Oh yeah. Oh, because Steve Ruddick, he wrote the piece about yeah, yeah, yeah. how like what I said is completely uh, logical. Yeah, 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 yeah. Duh. All right. So, industry person of the year nominees. We got Tony Burns, Sean McCormick, Adam Pliska, Matt Savage. Um, yeah, I don't know. It seems like Sh- Sean should win. I guess. He's big, so Tony Burns like is the guy. The most progress Tony Tony Burns is the guy in Florida. Yeah. Who, you know, I don't go there enough. I've been there once. I've been there once too. I and had a good time. He had, he gets a lot of like positive feedback. And from I've a lot never of people, heard anything but good things. But about hard to vote term. for a guy that I don't really know like firsthand what he does and stuff. Pliska has been president of. He's like president of WPT. Does a fantastic changed. job yeah. looking to grow there. Matt Savage always there to like mm-hmm. work. You know, doing his thing and then. McCormick, like as you said, on this list, he's probably like the one... The most up-and-coming... Well, yeah, because it's creating like sort of a... He's part of creating like a new he, platform for and, poker. And he and really loves poker. He's great. For sure. He's great to anyone that's playing in his room. He's a yeah. super nice guy. He's always nice. The smiling. people that play at Aria love it. Yeah, like, And exactly. that's a big part of it because him and Paul and the whole staff, like even like, honestly, during they the U.S. Poker right. Open, they did a great job. And this is a hard group to work with sometimes because running a tournament, sometimes running a tournament with 200 people is actually easier than running one with like 22. It's less personal. Well, not only that, like with re-entries and all this kind of yeah. stuff, like balancing and all this kind of, it can be chaotic. But like, they're very, they handled it very well. The, yeah. I've played very few of like the high roller tournaments. I've literally played like two. And both times, like the last time I played, someone wanted to register a little bit past late, when late registration was over. It was, a, it was a big tournament. They got a huge turnout and they just, you know, they just went around and like, does anyone care? And they were all just like, no. And they let them do it. You know, they're there for the players. They're not there to like have an ego or... Or yeah. do what they want to do. They're there to. That's make the way it, it should be. They're there to like, make it a good experience for all players and yeah. make it fair. Like and ultimately, and, and I've always said that. I've said that both to poker stars, to various different groups that I speak with. Is like ultimately a small group of people like that. If they want the tournament this way, let it be this way. Of course. Which I got into a beef. I don't know if I talked about this in the last podcast. I might have, but with like Matt Savage and Steve Badger and all these guys about Big Blind Annie. Mm-hmm. So the Big Blind Annie, the way that it works, the way we do it, is you know, like if a guy gets short, let's say he owes eight k Big Blind, eight k Annie. So instead of so basically he would pay what he has for the big blind first, so then he can get action on that. Otherwise, he can only break even on the hand. So he could win a pot with like against six people, and best case scenario is like he just gets his chips back. Right. Because he's like he didn't have ten k. It's an eight k big blind, two k any. Yeah, yeah, and it's a little more player friendly. It's what the players prefer. It's what they like. But of course, you know, like these guys want to just reinvent the wheel. Doesn't technically make sense. No, no, I understand. Like, so maybe theoretically, like, okay, I get Steve Badger's points that, like, well, poker's always been Annie's first and then blinds. I'm like, that's true, but this is a new evolution of the way we do things, so we can adjust that as well. It's clearly much more player friendly. There's no precedent for this, so we can do it. Think about a recreational player coming in and winning, going all in, 
being all in and winning the pot and getting back exactly what they started yeah. with. That's what they, that's my thing. Is like they said, oh, this will cause a lot of problems the way we do it, and we've been doing it for a year and a half. Oh, that could cause a lot of problems. From who? Who's going to complain and go, wait a minute, that guy was all in for eight, now he's got 32. No one gives a shit. Everyone feels <laughs> sorry for the short stack typically. Yeah. But the short stack who comes is, what do you mean? One chip, I win. One chip again. You know, yeah, like, yeah. he'll be pissed. Yeah. Why did I do an that accent for that? That was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. just... All the short stackers are usually Russians, I guess. Or something. I don't know. <laughs> I just, that wasn't even Russian. What was was it? Like, I don't know, man. It's just a mix of different things. All right. I got a pretty strong opinion on this one. Um, the breakout player of the year, we got DJ Alexander, Mike Del Vecchio, William Allen Foxen, and Artur Papazian. What do you got? Um, I don't know. It seems like... Seems like a close race between Del Vecchio and Foxen, I guess. So I didn't really know much of Del, uh, Del Vecchio yeah. until I pl- actually funny because I played with him and Foxen at WPT Five Diamond, and Del Vecchio was good. I played. Like, I played he, with him. There's a while. lot of things that I won't get into too much detail about what he does that was good, uh-huh. like that made him very difficult to read. Yeah. Um, and uh, Foxen has an amazing presence at the table. He's like a big guy, I played with you know, and he's very, very intense. Yeah. Fights like fights hard. It's, it, Matt, they both made the final table. That one, yeah. pretty deep with that. DJ Alexander, I don't have any personal experience with you. I don't. I don't know who that is. Okay, fair enough. Me neither. <laughs> Archer Papazan. Papaz, that's the guy who who uh, came second or twice in the WBT, right? Uh, I don't. I yeah. So we're really bad. No. <laughs> I just went with the two guys. No, I know. that I know, right. I know who so who are. would you go with, Del Vecchio or Foxen? I don't know. I think I'd have to go with Foxen. Yeah. Because also Del Vecchio to me isn't, he's been around for me. I've been playing yeah. cash with him for a long time. So yeah. he's not necessarily. But you know, like cash totally. players, like when they break into the tournament scene, they are seen yeah. as like new and right. whatnot. But no, I, I was. It seems like Foxen has actually come out of relatively nowhere to have extreme success. Yeah, so no, for sure. That's he took on some coaching, apparently, and yeah. that helped him, it seems like. Okay. So, tournament performance of the year. Scott Blumstein won the World Series main event. Darren Elias won Falls You. Congrats. <laughs> That's I just, so random. <laughs> no. Bryn Kenny won Monte Carlo, which is, like, obviously a cool event. And Bryn Kenny had a pretty banner year. And that's year. it, right? And that pretty much it. <laughs> I would go with uh, Scott. I mean, he won the main Well, event. there's a guy who won the one drop. The other one, Doug Pope. Who? He won the one drop. Oh, I missed that one. <laughs> you missed that one. Okay. Oh, my bad. But I think it's pretty safe to say that the guy who wins the main event, it's like you play for nine days. Uh, hard to hard to argue. It's hard I don't to top that. And it's like, I don't even know how you this why this is an award, because it seems kind of silly. Like... What, what do you, how do you define performance? Like, and how do you, how do you beat the main event of the World Series of Poker? Exactly. Like, it's the most epic tournament win of strange, the year. Strange award. Like, I mean, maybe he's winning Super... Who won Super Hollywood Bowl? Oh, Christoph Vogel sang. Like, yeah, why wasn't well, I, he on there? I don't know. I don't know. Because that, that, that should probably get some things, because that's a really, really tough field. That's true. I don't know. So here we go with mid-major circuit of the year nominees. Pass. <laughs> I said pass. I don't know the Mid-States Poker Tour. I don't. So this is where we're like slightly out of touch with poker, bro. We gotta go. Gotta get back to work. I'm gonna go World Series of Poker Circuit. I played the World Poker Circuit. They got deep yeah. stacks. They got Run Good Poker Series. Um, I think we did a great job this year. We did. <laughs> like, what's the like, How does one circuit do much better than the next on <laughs> a yearly basis? I don't know. No, that would be one that's uh, over my head. Okay, event of the year. Got some opinions on this one. You got Super High Roller Bowl. You got the Party Poker Millions North America. You got Poker Masters event number one. That seems kind of like arbitrary and weird. Why it's just like maybe it's one. a typo or something. I don't know. That makes Poker sense. Masters and then the World event. Series of Poker main event. I oh. would say like you know Once this again, year I felt like a down year for the Super High Roller Bowl. It's hard to argue again with the World Series main event. I mean yeah. What? 
how how can you beat that? It's the it's the John Hesp, of all tournaments. We had the John Hesp story. It was fantastic. He was fantastic for the poker. Like, yeah. Just like having fun, doing his thing, playing yeah. weird, just leading at people. And then you had you another know? guy that was like going wild. Uh, oh, the too. drunk guy. Yeah. What's his name. That I was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going main event. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to hard to argue. Mm-hmm. Jake Schindler and Christoph Vogel saying heads up. The one thing about them is like, and I love Jake, but when you see you, I sit next to Jake, mm-hmm. and this is what conversations sound like. Yeah. I can't hear him. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I got to clean He's my ears up. He's a bit of a up. mutter. Yeah, a bit of a mutter. And Christoph obviously doesn't do much talking. Uh, but well, as he's far too as like, busy with his scarf around his neck, yeah, and with his, around his face, it's hard to talk through that thing. Yeah, but as far as skill, like those are two guys you, you know, really want to watch. So the charitable initiative of the year will be, um, you know, it's not for up for vote. I want to make a case for the St. Jude Children's Hospital that I then I do every November that I run. Uh, I'm actually on the chair, so I helped like develop it and all that kind of stuff. We have we've been doing it four years running. This year, I want a special thanks to Matt Stout of the Charity Poker Series, who I'm also on the board of as well, who did a really fantastic job of making the event special. Like, it was it was my favorite one of the Are you four. there to help them charge more rake? <laughs> yeah, we charge more <laughs> rake that goes to charity yeah. for the kids who have yeah. cancer, right? So yeah. more rake is better for kids with cancer. Yeah. Okay? Like, <laughs> sorry, I said it. Uh. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, really, like, I, I, Matt Stout does a really good job with the whole Charity Series of Poker, and uh, I'm working with him as well on the Folded Flag event. We're doing a fun little thing where I think uh, I'm going to give a little poker lesson, um, which is something I do throughout the year. I do it for one drop as well, where like people will auction off like lessons. They'll come sit here at this house, maybe four or five guys, have some drinks, teach a little That's poker. Cool. Um, and it's fun to do that when you get like four to six people because like typically they're wide range of skill and teaching them, uh, you know, like just a very, very basic basics, but it's fun when they start to see like cool concepts. You're like, oh, he did that because of this. Yeah, it's yeah. just fun. It's but like mostly it's just time. like to hang out and stuff. An award for lifetime achievement in poker. I pray I don't ever, like I don't want to win this because I'm, I'm not, I'm too young, man. I'm 43. Yeah. I ain't done yet. My achievements will happen when I'm Doyle's age, like 80, 85, you know? I don't want to win that one. You're going to be on Twitter still? Huh? For sure. Of course. You'll be better than if him Twitter's Twitter. a thing. I just will, don't think I'll ever get on the Snapchat thing. Yeah. I actually had a guy who does like social media stuff, and he's like, you're too old for Snapchat. He was like serious. He's like, honestly, dude, uh, you're too old for Snapchat. Like I, time's passed. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a millennial thing. Or the generation, what is the new generation? Generation Tide Pod? Oh, is that what the generation <laughs> That's what I call them. <laughs> generation Tide Pod munchers? Just give me some Tide Pod. Some balsamic vinaigrette on it. Mm. All right, Poker Moment of the Year nominees. 70-year-old John Smith makes back-to-back World Series of Poker 10K heads-up finals. That is pretty cool. Emma Zajmovich becomes first female player to win open event of the World Poker Tour. Vanessa Selb's full house loses to Gail Bauman's quads early in the World Series. Remember that? Yeah, but Poker Moment of the Year is like a cooler. Certainly wasn't her moment, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, Tom Dwan makes his return to America. Stars on Poker After Dark reboot of Poker Go. On Poker Go. What do you got here? Can I go with none of them? Oh, come on. One an of them is... I would, go with, I would go with John, the top one. The Bingo. John, slam dunk. Yeah, clear back to It's back. like, think about poker the way it is today, right? All these young geniuses, all no, these... That, you're right. That all was, these, like, solver-based players yeah. GTOing their ass. John Smith comes in here, Suspenders. and I'm giving you, like, old GTO. You know, I'm giving you old-school GTO. No, that was like, awesome. You're right. Just epic. 100%. A seven-year-old guy is just like, well, they can't read me, and I can read them. Like, just... Amazing story, right? And he, that guy doesn't even—he doesn't I mean, play. Yeah, hardly you don't ever. See him anywhere else, I don't think. No, like in poker. Other than he just no, he just shows, shows up, up for that event. And he's first like, or second or no third big deal. Or second, yeah. two years in a row. 
All right, so poker media content of the year. Adrian Moreno in tears after little one for one drop win, days after losing his friend. Drew Amato photo. So that's like the, the photo. Okay. Dead Money, a super high rollerball story. Matt Berkey story. Poker Brat, the Phil Helmuth story. Published by DNB Publishing, philhelmuth.com. <laughs> My favorite thing about the Phil Helmuth book, holy smokes. He asked me to write like a forward for him. Uh-huh. I'm like, sure, Phil, I'll, you know, do him a favor, be nice. Right. So then the cover of the book, when I get it, he hands it to me and it says, he says, what does it say? World's greatest poker player. Forward by Daniel Negreanu. <laughs> World's greatest <laughs> poker player. As if you're endorsing World's him. greatest poker player. Forward by Daniel Negreanu. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So the last one was Resilience Defined. Shetty Siddiqui raising his two boys. Hashtag for Kathy. Lance Brady article. Bradley article. I didn't see that one. I don't know about that one. Where are you going here? Um... I mean, it's hard to say. I haven't seen any of them. Okay, I'll go with Dead Money. Oh, no, I did see Dead Money a Dead little Money's bit. Dead Money's fun. I think okay. that kind of stuff is cool. Yeah. Like, more of those, like, it's 30s. Cool. He's 30s. Really trying to get... Yeah, I think it's, like, a different way to, like, look at poker. Like, I think these vlogs... I think what... Part of why Andrew Nimi is so successful with what he does is, like, he really relates to grinders and these people that want to live that life, you know? It gives people a chance. So, for Berkey, he puts together a piece of work that, you know, gives people, like, a glimpse into what it takes to, like, play in a high roller from all angles. And be Dead Money in it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he said money, but... Well, that's what he said. All right, this is going to be a contested freaking category for sure. Poker Streamers of the Year nominee. Hmm. Gotta confess. This is a good one. I know a lot of people. And oh, before we go any further, this is an American Poker Awards, so the reason you won't hear Lex Veldus' name is he's, he's not American. Otherwise, I think he would have crushed this year. Yeah. Maybe European. He's like the boss now. He's doing, you know, 10, 12-hour days. He's got the highest numbers of anyone, I think. But we've got, for Americans, Jeff Gross, Bill Perkins, Jason Somerville, Jamie Staples, and Parker Talbot. So, Jason Somerville wins this award basically every year, or has. Question is, is he just grandfathered in? Or are some new up-and-comers, like, going to, you know, make a case? Because I don't He's cut back and streaming a lot. He's doing the run-it-up Reno, doing mm-hmm. other things, programming-wise. But uh, who do we like here? And Parker Talbot is going to be really upset with me because on Twitter, I put a bunch of names to a guy who's like, you know, he wants to learn how to play poker. And I go, you should watch Twitch. And I gave out some names. And I didn't put Parker Talbot's name. And he's like, I was like, sorry, these are the ones that I knew. And I'm like, I know him. I know who he is. I right. follow him on Twitter. But, like, I don't, I never, like, I met him or not like that. But I knew all the other guys that I thing. And I don't watch anybody's streams. Yeah. Like, I don't, I got, I don't got time for that. Yeah, no one's here. I ain't got no time, for time for that. Shit. <laughs> I ain't got time for that. So, who do we go with here? I've Perky is probably me. fun because he's, like, yeah. you know, streamboat. He's, Perky probably wouldn't be the one that you look for technical advice on. Because he's just blasting it Bill's, out there on the I've actually boat. watched Bill's stream, and he's, fun. he's very fun. If you want an entertaining stream, Bill Perkins got to be up there. Yeah. Jeff Groves is a sidekick in that regard because he does a little bit of both. JG's like he's doing some. And you know, he loves poker also. Oh, yeah. High and I think everyone that. on this list loves poker. Staples. And I, like I said, Parker Talbot, uh, a lot of he – he, he has a very good chance apparently because a lot of people, you know, younger, young, he really appeals to them. I Like I said, man, sorry, I don't watch any of them. but. Yeah. I've seen clips here and there. Lex actually is the one that I like. Like his quote, I just love the way he says the word fuck. Oh, okay. It's funny to me. Yeah. Just, so just, just the way it. he says that one word. Right. It's just the best. Uh-huh. And you like his sponsor. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Right. Pokerstars.com. <laughs> no. Okay. So. So you give that award to Lex, basically. Yeah. <laughs> give the award to Lex. Yeah. Poker streamer of the year. Yeah. Lex. Lex Feldhues. All right. Mm. Poker broadcaster oh, of the year. We can, I mean, clear. We know who's going to win this. Well, one. let's let's say the names. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Okay. I'm Nick Shulman. This one. Yeah. Joseph Stapleton. Lon McCarron. Ali Najad. 
I like all four of these people. Yeah, me too. A lot. But it's got to be Nick. I like... Okay, so why? Because he, he... I think he's had the biggest impact. He's gotten the most buzz of any of these people by far. I mean, they all do a great job. They've all done a great job for, you know, a long time. And Nick's, you know, the one of these four that is new that everyone is talking about and literally everyone loves. I mean, so I've never seen... So what's interesting about this list to me is you have... So you have two straight men, if you will. Ali Najad and Lon McCarran. Ali's also like a little bit of a yeah. jokester. You got Joseph Stapleton, who's more like, you know, comedy guy. He's the comedy guy, like the Norman Chad mm-hmm. type. But Nick is the only poker pro and he's also that actually funny. is doing high-end analysis that's funny, but he does it in such a way that's better than any commentator I've ever he's seen in my life. Boy. So he has the unique combination of being good at broadcasting but understanding the game at a super high level and not nerding it up so much Extremely that, cool. that people can't, like, understand it. He's, like, like the coolest guy in the world. He's, yeah, he's cool. Yeah. yeah, I think it was, who was it that said this? Oh, Paul Volpe said he's got, like, a man crush on him. Yeah. I and mean, I think it's okay for me to say that. Like, he's the man. He's just cool. Yeah. Plays all the games. He's cool. He's going to be a chess guy. He's nice to everyone. Nice I mean, to everyone. Slick. Yeah. yeah it's got to be Nick. I would be shocked if Nick doesn't win that. Yeah. You know? And, and again, I like it's, all And it's people. actually tough because they all do such a great job. They're, I mean, all, I love... they're all uniquely different, but Nick is the only poker pro yeah, on there. Right. That can... He's the only one capable of doing what he does in this group. You know? But we're actually, poker's pretty lucky. All four of those guys yeah. are so good at I like all do. of them. Yeah. yeah. Like, Lon is just smooth. I mean, he's been doing it forever. Ali is extremely smooth, yeah. too. He can do it night in and night out and never make a mistake. You know, it's, all right. it's, it's impressive. So, video blogger of the year, as I mentioned before, Joe Ingram. I didn't know that he did a blog. I thought that he hated vlogs, so I'm really I'm confused by this one. Because I remember Joey saying he hated doing vlogs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a combination of just, like, YouTube videos and stuff like that, that they're counting as a blog. Because I don't know that he's done a lot of it. I wouldn't consider myself a consistent blogger. We do during the World Series what, like, we did, like, 45 plus another... What, how many blogs do you think we did? 60 over the year? And I did some videos and stuff, but, like, I definitely tapered off for the yeah. second part of the year because I got burnt out a little bit. It's, like... It's exhausting. It's a lot of work yeah. for Christian. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Christian, man. Right? So, Andrew Nemi would be the most consistent um, video blogger, and he's, like, such a... So great filmically. Like, he's... The, he was my inspiration for doing a vlog. Sounds like he's the winner, man. I would say so. Yeah. Like, he's my inspiration for doing them because I watched him and I'm like, wow, why, what am I watching this guy go play 510 for? And then listen to these poker hands and, and stuff like that. And like, he's not like exciting. I've no, it's not like he's like, hey, hey, how's it going? I'm Andrew Nimi. He just does such a great quality job yeah. with the vlogs that they're like, they flow, you know? Really a lot of fun to watch. And then, you know, I, Doug, I, he did vlogs, I guess, right? I mean, see, I, I, I think, think that him and did. Joey possibly are a combination of YouTube. What I really they don't offer. think he really did much vlogging. I don't know. I don't so exactly. By I, default, the only I time I get his, con- the only time I see his stuff is when people send me shit and say, "Did you see what he said about you now?" Right. I wouldn't think that he <laughs> would win that one, but I would certainly think that I would give my vote to. Uh, well, I thought ours were good though. Like yeah. ours, I call them ours. Christians. I thought I thought the quality of yeah. ours were very very good. Yeah, I didn't have were. anything to do with that, so I can say that. But. Um, you know, the team of people that we had, they made, like, daily vlogs for the whole 45 too, days. I think. Yeah. Um, the only issue we had there, small, was, like, I wanted them up by noon yeah. every day. And we were late a lot of times, like, 2, 3 o'clock. But we Fucking got one up. Christian. It wasn't Christian's fault. Okay. It was, and this year, <laughs> you know, it's we're definitely going to work on that. I'm probably going to go, like, if I do it, I'm going to do, like, shorter ones. Right. Because, like, I don't want to do 17 minutes a day. We can get them done in 10. And maybe a little more poker content in there. Yeah, just. We're just, just give away all the secrets. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I got eyes on me right now that are like, don't do that. Not the secrets. <laughs> there, there's people here. <laughs> Shh, don't worry. I won't tell them all about GTO and BBO and CEO and all the tricks. It's, 
mom's the word. We're just going to go vague, you know? Hey, I check here sometimes, you know? I don't know. Ah, ah, who knows? I just feel like checking. I'm going to check one what time. What's that accent? I don't know. Just, you know, really hey, all over the place what are you going to do? You know, I'm going to check because sometimes <laughs> I check. That's what's up. <laughs> There's shit. <laughs> Pissed at me now. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So we got Poker Podcast of the Year. We're not nominated, which is fine because literally we did what? Uh, what we? You didn't do it. This any. is my first one. Yeah. But I've done like, uh, I just, you know, I didn't do them regularly. Yeah. Um, but see, so here we go. I listen to three out of four of these regularly. Like, I never miss one because I, I listen to podcasts for a different reason. I like to, like, actually stay up to date on what's happening in poker, and I have for 20 years. I, like, read what's... You poker. Yeah, I yeah. do. I do. Um, so the Poker Central podcast, like, with Brett Hanks, Will O'Connor, and Remco Rimkama, who is the glue who keeps it all together. Mm-hmm. He also does Heads Up with Remco, which wasn't nominated, apparently, because he is considered European mm. so like that one wasn't but this one is because there's Americans and that's a fun one um, three di- totally different takes often on that podcast like Will O.C. will that's, say some things and I'm like what in the world are you talking about who do and you other, align with usually Remco okay. like always and then you know I actually you know yeah Remco like he's my number one there Will sometimes I'm like what is but then other times I'm like yeah you go Will he picked me in his, in his draft this year so, oh, I was so like, he's he, smart guy yeah, yeah very very smart Will O.C. Poker News Podcast. Now you've got Brett Harrington, Sarah Herring, and Matt Parvis occasionally drops in. I don't know if he's like the regular anymore. He was. Um, and Sarah's fun. You know, she tries to keep it light. She likes the drama. She likes to have the drama on there, which is fun. And Brett keeps up. Brent keeps up to date on poker and stuff like that. The next one you got is the Poker Life Podcast by Joey Ingram, which is a different form. You know, it takes on a different form. It's more like his is more relaxed. They're longer you know, a couple hours where he's just like, hey, you know, poppy, poppy, sh- you know, shoot, shut up, shut up, poppy, poppy. Like, I don't just shoot the shit kind of thing. It's like, it's not necessary. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Hey, puppy, puppy, you know, hey, what's going on? Hey, he reminds me of Spicoli so bad. From rest time, rest time's a rich one. Jeff Spicoli, yeah. right on, dude. Yeah. I don't know. So, so that one is a different <laughs> type of podcast. And then you got, you got the two plus two podcast, Terrence Chan, Ross Henry, Adam Schwartz, maybe my favorite. Okay. My, the first one that I listened to, like, because I have like a lot of podcasts that I listen to mm-hmm. um, on hockey, political podcasts, poker podcasts, and I find myself drawn first and foremost to Terrence and Adam's podcast. Like right now, he's got the weight bet thing, and that's you know going. You know about the weight bet thing? No. Bill Perkins gave him a free roll, fifty k. He was like two hundred thirty pounds for like in six Who? months. Who is this? Adam Schwartz. Okay. To get down to one hundred fifty pounds. Wow. In six months, I think it was or whatever, and then he has to keep it off for like two month period and weigh in every week wow so like you could follow his journey and the whole That's deal cool. he's got terrence chan who's like knows how to cut weight because he's like a ufc fighter and he right. can do like so he kind of helped him and gave him advice but you gotta do more than cut it i mean you gotta keep it off right mm. it's not so you learn a lot about like diet and food too like no she didn't have like no salt for the last four days no water no salt is jamie stables gonna win his bet uh oh they're close right I don't know. That's, Perky's like the freaking Robin Hood of poker, man. He should just yeah, get an award for being Robin Hood. Because you know what I love about what Perky does is he comes up with bets that will better those people's lives whether yeah. they win it or lose it. Right? So like, so so what? So if Jamie... Well, actually, it's not true because doesn't his brother have to like gain a ton of weight? Well, but in good weight. But he's trying to bulk up. You know, he was like 135 pounds. He's right. trying to, you know, okay, add some muscle. Fair One of the guys I work with in poker, he's been trying to gain weight forever and he's a toothpick. He yeah. can't gain weight. I just, I try to feed him beans and rice. He's like, I can't gain weight, man. He doesn't cheese. gain weight. Whatever. So, poker podcast of the year. Who do you like there? Do you listen to I don't, any of these? I, can't, I have no opinion. I'm going to go with, I think Terrence and uh, Adam are long overdue. Seems and, like they're all good. Yeah. Based on your yeah. description. Yeah. It's just the first one I go to, and then I actually, the order I go is that one, then Poker Central, typically. 
So I don't know. Just being honest. All right, Pocket Funds Legacy Award. All right, so here's the one we were talking about a little bit earlier, the biggest influencer in poker. And I and so it's Kerry Katz, Daniel Negreanu, Doug Polk, Matt Savage. And I, apparently me asking to define that was very, very rude because it meant like, you know, that I was like slamming Doug Polk. that you were trying to like get an Slam, you know, well, he thought so too, yeah. clearly, because, you know, whatever. I was trying to get an understanding of how these four names mesh together, right? Because, you know, I can, you know, as far as the following goes, two people have one, two people don't. As far as people being in the industry, two people are very well into the industry. One person spends time in the industry. The other one spends time shitting on the industry, <laughs> like every aspect of it. So if it's just like influencer, totally makes sense. I could see him winning, Doug, but because uh, you know he's got his hands in a lot of things. But if it's actually like influencing things in poker and having relationships with people in the game and sort of affecting change for the community, for player of the year systems, for and, things that he hates. And inspiring growth. I mean – Seems like someone that influences the game. You'd want yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I could make an argument that he inspires growth because Who? he Doug. Really? Yeah, I would say so because oh, he reaches a, a new audience on YouTube. A lot of people start to watch his content. But like overall, I would say like as far as I'm concerned, he's like a net negative because most of what he does, or he spends far too much time he's looking negative. to create drama by shitting on everybody else. Whether it's Jason Mercier, whether it's Ben Tolerine, whether it's like most of the people that I really really like in poker, including myself. Right. Well, I mean, not, I think almost everything he says doesn't truly believe in terms of poker stuff. He's just trying to get views. Right. Which but is, I, which is know, actually I, a nice thing to say because you're saying that he's not actually that negative. As the only problem with it, like, <laughs> it, and if he would, like, be honest about that, you know, what I guess, yeah. why would he? So, um, if, uh, what was I going to say with, about that? But, like, yeah, but that's kind of shitty. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, to, like, shit on people also, just to I get guess. views. But there's better ways to do it. Like, I don't know that it's all that effective necessarily at this point to use that as a strategy. He's already got a following. Like, yeah. he can take it many different ways. But I, from what I see, it's like, you know, he continues to, you know, spread the it's same kind of, of mischaracterization. What what he, what's worked, I guess. Like, his bread and butter is just yeah. to, like, create drama and attack people and fight people. And I honestly and think that, like, if you if you look at, like, the people in the poker media and other players, I think, I, I really do believe that because he does attack so heavily on people that they're afraid to confront him. So they don't really hold him accountable. Well, he's built a fan base of people that enjoy that type of content. Right, but so I'm saying, point, like, when he does make mischaracterizations and, like, blatant lies in certain situations, people don't necessarily call him out so quickly because they don't want to be attacked. It's true. People in the poker it's media, they don't make a, a lot of money. It's a so bully type Well, they don't make a lot of money, so they don't necessarily want to make an enemy out of him. Yeah. So they just kind of, like, you know, stick out of it. So I typically, and you rarely ever hear me talk about this, is probably the, I wasn't even planning on yeah. doing so because I typically choose to ignore. But it, unless I defend myself in these cases, I'm not going to expect other people to do so as well, which allows him the opportunity to continue to mischaracterize anything that I say or do in the poker community. Like, the whole, like, um, actions speak louder than words, and he didn't name one single action I've actually taken that has done anything to, like, embarrass the poker community. Like, if anything, I've done more work in the last 20 years to try to, like, better the game, and even when I'm up against it with some organizations or, you know, infighting with companies that I work with and stuff like that, like, I am on the front lines on a regular basis. I obviously wasn't what happy. What company could you be talking Well, about? one of them was poker. <laughs> I mean, I've worked with a lot of different companies over 20 years that have made decisions that I didn't like. Right. And that I didn't think were necessarily player friendly. I put my two cents in, but ultimately I don't get to make the final decisions on that. You right. know, like, I don't get to decide the rake structures. I don't get to decide what the supernova elite structures, you know, are. I can get my two cents in and I also can convey you know, how the players feel. Like with the World Series of Poker, it's a perfect example. With Jack Effel, you know, I tr every time I hear people talking about World Series of Poker issues and stuff, I go directly to Jack, I go to Ty, and I tell them like, this is how the players are feeling about this. They won't like this, they'll like this. I do this as well with Poker Go, Poker Central, and Poker Stars as well. And obviously I've had, over the last 
10, what is it? How long have I been with PokerStars? 12 years, I want to say. There's probably been about five decisions I really hated. One was like the worst. It was like the probably the most difficult time for me in poker was when they made that decision to not honor the agreement on the second year of the Supernova Leads. No excuse for that. Like no defending that and it never would and it never will. And I've told them that flat out. I think it was a mistake and I wish they wouldn't have done that. But you're not always going to agree with decisions a company makes. You have to look at the whole sum and the fact that, you know, this company is the one that bailed out the players uh, after Black Friday. This is the company that when locked poker players were shut out and didn't get paid, like PokerStars stepped up. PokerStars is the only company, and I'll say the only company in the entire industry that is actually spending money on the industry to bring new players in, okay? They're the only ones. There are other op uh, online operators right now. PokerStars, obviously the biggest. And I don't blame the other operators one bit for the strategy that they're using. And it's very, very simple. Piggyback, right? So PokerStars spends money on ad campaigns with Kevin Hart, with Usain Bolt to try to bring in new players. The other companies, what they try to do is try to like, once those players come in, offer them deals and give them opportunities to, you know, to take those players. I think it's a good smart strategy for them. And I think it's good for poker that they have options. And I'm, I'm actually ecstatic with the fact that PokerStars Live Events has competition. I yeah, think it's great for the players. And I want to see other uh, companies up their game because then it forces PokerStars to up their game as well. You can get complacent in a monopoly type situation if you have no real um, competitors, yeah. right? Now they do, you see innovations like the No Limit you know, Players Championship, they're gonna contribute eight million to the prize pool, another million on top for first, try to really like create, you know, start off the year with a bang in January. So yeah, <laughs> and rent. <laughs> I will be at the awards show. I always have a great time at the show. It's a lot of fun and it's one of the things that like, you know, we talk about like the hashtag good for poker, bad for poker, whatever. Um, Clearly good for poker. Every industry does this. Yeah. Every industry, whether it's you know movies, whether it's music, sports, they have an event to celebrate the game, the people in the game. And like, what I think is super cool about this is you've got play people in this that do a lot of great work for poker that don't necessarily get the recognition. The Drew Amatos, like the you know the the uh, BJ Nemeths, the the people in the media and things like that. That um, this is an opportunity for everybody to get a chance to shine. Yeah. Like when you see the Grammys or the, I'm sorry, the Oscars, you see the stars, but you also see like the sound guys, you know, like the, the makeup guys, like every, the makeup people, like everyone has an opportunity to celebrate the game of poker. And I don't plan on shitting on award shows. Clearly they're arbitrary and you have nomination you know, panels. There's that no can, negative about right, it. Right, like, but even if the, people argue about the Oscars too. Yeah. Like, wow, that should have won, this should have won. But, but that's overall, a good thing. Yeah, people it's, talking so, yeah, about it's the like, how could that be a bad thing? So yeah, I don't see it. I'll be there. I'm always going to be there to support that. And for the rest of the week, I will be quite busy with the charity event for Folded Flag, which is really, really fun. Folded Flag is the foundation that Bill Foley, who is the owner of the Golden Knights, is like, uh, you know, that's his main charity. And yeah. they asked me to do a, an event in Los Angeles, which is weird. Yeah, it's like a Golden Knights event we're doing in L.A. on the 25th. More money, I guess. I don't know. Well, there's a home and home. So we're going to go to the L.A. game. Oh, they're on the playing 20th. in L.A. They're playing in L.A. Oh, on the 26th, cool. and they're playing here on the 27th. Right. So it'll be a full week, including the awards show. You're going to make it to both games? Yeah. Yeah, course, I don't miss yeah. no games because I got my I got my surgery coming up. Got to yeah. get them all in. Um, surgery for me, March first. I got the ACL. How many surgery. hockey games are you gonna miss? One. Oh, the Ottawa game. Which who cares? Because Ottawa I, sucks. I, I, yeah, you can have my tickets, of course. You always get my tickets. I want to see Carlson. Yeah, he's kind of de despondent right now. Oh, he he's, is. Yeah, he's stuck in Ottawa. They suck. But um, so anyway, yeah. The certain the thing about my knee is like I'm feeling good now. Like I'm lift. I'm school front squat. You're I'm supposed to be doing that. 
I guess yeah. you can't really hurt it. Well, you know Richard Seymour, one, literally one of the nicest guys. One of, you know, if you talk about celebrities or athletes in poker, Richard Seymour blows my mind. Like he's one of the kindest, gentlest, coolest guys I've ever met in poker from there. And like I remember two moments where I don't know him that well, but like in January of last year in Bahamas, I lost my dog Mushu and it was a very hard day and he saw that I was upset and uh, you know, he just sat and talked with me and like gave me like really good advice. Nice. And it was like just, the, I don't know, it was an emotional day. I was crying, you know, like I had my puppy for 17 years. Um, but he was super nice about that. And then of course he saw me limping this year at the Bahamas and he's like, what's up with the limp? You know, and I told him what, you know, what's got going on. And of course this is like, you know, all pro NFL guy, so he understands knee injuries. And he gave me some advice to strengthen my quads and my calves as much as possible before the surgery, because that'll help with my recovery. And uh, really, like, you ask everybody in poker, I'll tell you, I think that they, they'll say Richard Seymour is like, they're, they're not, they're like, just in love with the guy. It's too bad there's no award for nice. And he did really well. Celebrity in Yeah, poker. he should. He, he came like third or fourth in the 25K. Yeah. I want to say. Seems like he really likes the game, like, yeah. enjoys the game. He's a competitor. Too, yeah. You know, he's a competitor. Mm hmm. But, uh, yeah, oh, this was my list of things that I do in poker. <laughs> I think I hit them all. No, by accident. I was just, like, going to write a blog, and then I said, nah, screw it. Right. I got a friend of mine. You remember Ennis? Ennis Williams? He did uh, Choice Center. I coached no, him. I don't know. Black dude. You don't know. We worked out with him. You worked out with Ennis. I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, with Tiffany. Once, at the Diamond. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's, I'm doing a charity event for him also in May for the Diamond Foundation, which is like his alma mater and stuff like that. I did one for him last year. Didn't get a great turnout, so hopefully this year we can do a little more promotion and uh, get that going. And yeah, so anyway, it's fun having you here. Thanks for we having me. We should just do this all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm Shoot I'm the in. shit. For sure. Because if we do this anyway, we might as well just do this. Yeah, just put a mic in front of us. Same for thing. the people. Yeah. Are you going to play poker tonight? No. I have to fly to Florida tomorrow for a funeral, unfortunately. I'm sorry to hear yeah. that. Way to end it on a downer. Yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> it happens. Life goes on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no poker for me. No, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, that was another edition of the Full Contact Poker Podcast. It took a turn that we weren't planning on, but whatever. So, we'll just leave it right there. Yeah. Peace. (laughs) 